was nothing until God said, now is the time. And suddenly, something, so many things, stars and seas, birds and trees, and so there was creation. Until God said, now is the time. And suddenly, a man, a woman, shaped in his image, made from the earth in his breath, separated by sin nonetheless. And so, there were humans. Until God said, now is the time. And suddenly, a savior, a baby, a son, sent to reunite us and to save everyone. Until God says again, now is the time. On Sunday morning, the alarm goes off. Working the nine to five, but at what cost? Staring at our phones, looking for a picture to post and dose off. Just to let everyone think we're all right. All the while wondering, is there more to life? We're walking out paces with all the other stranger faces. Checking off the things that make us good people. Treat others equal, don't be deceitful, but is there more to life? Just like before, we can hear God implore. Now is the time for hope and connection. Enough for seclusion and rejection. Now is the time for resurrection, for starting over. Enough for the shame. Now is the time to shout and proclaim. I believe there is more. What are you waiting for? It's yours and it's mine. Now is the time for more than just me. Now is time for us and we. Now is time for God's family. You can't find it alone. And it goes beyond things that are known. Now is the time to see you are loved. No more pressure, no measure. We're better together. Now is the time to share tragedies and victories with others. No more wondering. No more wandering. Here, here is only belonging. Now is the time. Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad you guys are here today to celebrate Jesus Christ. As we do every single first day of the week, we come together in this place as God's people to acknowledge what he's done for us on the cross, but also to say thank you for all the blessings that you have given us in our life. We are blessed because of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, what a joy it is to live life out for his glory each and every day. We want to say welcome to our guests that are here today as well. Thanks for joining us. It's a true honor that you're here and with us today. And our hope, of course, is if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of our family here at Cross Point. We've all made a decision that uh, we're broken people. That's no secret. But we've decided to give our life to Jesus Christ, to surrender to him and say, God, use us in your story how you see fit. We want to be a part of the ignited story that you're telling all around the world. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And so we invite you to be a part of that process uh, as well. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. So I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. All of our text will be on the screen uh, as well, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation when we do get there. I want to reiterate something Kale said, and uh, annually we have this event where we go to the lake and just kind of have some fun with one another, hanging out together uh, out in nature, God's creation. And so I want to make sure that you guys know, please come to that tonight. It's a two or three hour event. Uh, we'll be cooking out. We're going to have a big screen TV there with the Cowboys football game on, so you're not going to miss anything. Uh, it'll be a fun time to hang out and, and be together. And so I hope that you'll make a point to do that. And do pick up the parking passes out on the Welcome Center. That'll get you in the gate for free. 
Uh, we hope that, uh, I think typically the last two, three years, we've had about 200 folks come out. So uh, it'll be a great time for all of us to be together and just hang out and, and have a good time. I want to mention too that next week I'm going to start a brand new series called Flip the Script because the truth is the world gives us a script and they expect us to go by that script. And many times that script says things like, man, you deserve fill in the blank. Or you're just not good enough. You're, you're never going to amount to much of anything. Or you couldn't do that if you wanted to. Well, the truth is when we take a look into the Word of God, God tells us a very different script different than the world acknowledges. And so we want to look at the next few weeks of taking the script that the world gives us and flipping it around to actually what God tells us because we are all powerful because of God and the Holy Spirit living within us. He makes things happen in our lives that we never thought could happen. And so I hope you'll join me over the next few weeks to experience some of that revelatory work in God's Word. I do want to acknowledge, too, that today is 9-11, and 15 years ago, there were a lot of families that were thrown into turmoil. Some folks lost a spouse. Some kids lost their mother or their father. Uh, Some folks lost very close friends. Several thousand people lost their lives that day. And so I want to take just a moment for us to reflect on the life that God's given us, the family members that we do still have, uh, the, the memories that we have with them, but also reflect on those families who have lost so much 15 years ago and their continuing journey to, to live at peace with that as they move through life. So let's take a few moments of silence just to think about these families and how God's blessed us and continues to journey with them through this moment in their life. Father, as we come to you and conclude our prayer this morning, we we want to acknowledge how blessed that we are, that you are in our life. You give life to all of us and everything, but we acknowledge the loss of life as well, and even today as we look in the world that we live in, that that loss of life has, has not stopped. It continues to happen through terrorism, and we pray, God, that you would be specifically with the families who are remembering 15 years ago today and the loss that they experienced in that moment. My prayer, God, is that your spirit would be with these families, that you would dwell within them and hold them close to you today, that you would remind them that you are the God of peace, you are the God of strength and of love, and that you desire a relationship with them. My prayer, God, is that you would continue to walk and journey with them as they move through uh, these stages of life uh, and experience the loss that they have uh, so many years ago. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about time today. Most of us are constrained by time. Anybody ever said they wish there were 25 hours in the day? Raise your hand. I've said that a few times. Some of us are, well, that was me. We all know that there's stuff going on in our life that we are really on this schedule. Some of us set that alarm clock to get up and make uh, lunch for the kids so that they can go to school, and then we go drop them off at school, and then we've got to get to work where we need to clock in on the time clock. Uh, we've got to get to church on time. Some of us 
need to visit that issue a little bit. Um, there are different things, though, going on on our schedules that really dictate how confined we are with time. I mean, some of us have to get on Facebook. Some of us have to get on that social media stuff where we can post things because we've got time to do it. Some of us haven't done that yet, posted uh, a very traumatic loss that one particular team had this weekend, but I won't go into that. It's It's a... crazy time when you think about how dedicated we are to time. You know, 150 years ago, there was no standardized time. Every village, every town, uh, every city uh, looked at the time within their culture right there in the city, and they based everything on where the sun was. So every single town had a little bit different time based upon where they were located uh, in the United States. And then in 1883, the United States made a decision to go to a standardized time system. And the very next year, the entire world adopted that. And so now we live in this 24-hour time period around the world that everybody is kind of in sync with. And so we kind of understand, okay, halfway around the world, we are a little bit ahead or behind of them, depending on which way that you look. Even physicists say that gravity... And speed can control time. It's interesting as you think through that process. It can either speed it up or slow it down. If uh, you got to watch the movie Interstellar uh, a few months ago when it came out, how many of us watched that movie? Pretty good movie. But in the movie, the whole premise was the idea that gravity and speed can help control time. And we are all about trying to control the time that is in our lives. We want to have control over everything. But the Bible tells us that God's relationship with time is a little different than my relationship and your relationship with time. He stands outside of time. Time does not control God, but makes a decision to work within the parameters of his creation, the time that you and I have to deal with. You can look at all of Scripture. I'm going to look at two or three this morning very quickly to kind of accentuate this idea. Look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And and it says that in the beginning, God created. And so the idea is that God was before anything was created. There was nothing there, and then God spoke it into existence, that God had always been there. Or you look at the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, where he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Again, the idea that he is on this spectrum of time, if you will, for our mind's sake. He was before anything was created, and he will come after everything is gone. And he's also in between. Or what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, where he said, Jesus was a sacrifice once for all time. We didn't have to do the animal sacrifice anymore. We didn't have to live under that Old Testament regulation, but... Jesus did something for us that was good forever. We're going to unpack this idea about time today. Paul says in our our springboard text this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, as God's partners, and that's us, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. 
On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I mean, how does that work? Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the right time because you think about Paul is writing to the church in the first century some 2,000 years ago. So how can now be the same for them as it is for us today? The idea is that we are living in the now. And the now began at the cross. You see, the Old Testament and its restrictions, its limitations were put to death on the cross. And so now we live in the time of God's favor, which started at the cross with Christ's sacrifice. It was a moment where there's just more than one group of people who have the kindness and grace of God lavished upon them, but now it's a grace for everyone. No matter who you are, what's going on in your life, you can tap into the blessing that is Jesus Christ. I mean, we've all heard that story before, the message of sacrifice when it comes to Jesus Christ. I mean, he was born to Mary and Joseph, and then he came into this world, and about age 30, he began his ministry with his own baptism, And then for three years, he interacted with his creation, the world in which he lived. And eventually, the leaders of the day decided that his message was was too strange. It was too different. They would have to change everything, and they didn't want anything to do with that. And so the Jewish leaders partnered with the Roman government, and they killed Jesus Christ on the cross. And we know that he was placed in a tomb, and three days later, they went to take care of the body, but the tomb was empty. Jesus had risen from the dead, and now he sits at the right hand of God. What a great story of sacrifice. You see, God's favor and salvation go hand in hand with what we get to experience here today. This verse here that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, though, kind of gives the illusion that time is passing, that it is fleeting, that it's not Guaranteed, And we all know that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Each and every one of us have loved ones, family members, close friends, maybe who have passed. Maybe some of us are living in the moment where that is imminent. Maybe some of us have yet to realize that. But tomorrow is not guaranteed. And Paul says that here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Time is fleeting. There's a great movie starring Robin Williams that came out in 1989 called Dead Poets Society. And in the movie, he is a literature uh, teacher at a private school. And he's got these high school boys, and he's trying to teach them a little bit about life. And so at the very front end of class, he gets them out in the hallway to look at the pictures of the young men who have come through that school before some years earlier. And he wants them to understand that time is fleeting, that you need to make the most of now, let's watch and see how he interacts with those boys. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. 
If you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? So what time is it for you? I mean, if you've never accepted salvation from God, if you've never put Jesus Christ on in baptism, now is the time to experience that forgiveness. Now is the time to seize the day, to to make the most of the time that God has given you. Now is the time to accept the invitation that God's given each and every one of us to join him in the story he's building in the world, to grow in knowledge and affection of the God who loves you desperately, to grow in love and affection for those around us and spread that message of hope. Now is the time to follow God and to put him on in your life to imitate him in every possible way. You see, now is the time for hope. You and I experience hope in different ways in our life. I mean, some of us put our hope in politicians or things that are going on out there in the political world. Some of us put our hope in relationships that we have with close friends or family members. Some of us put our hope in money and mutual funds, thinking if I just put enough back, I'll have enough to go forward. Or some of us, even the 1977 movie Star Wars was renamed Star Wars A New Hope. We put our hope in different things in life. But the truth is, there is only one hope. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the hope that you and I have in this world and the hope that this entire world has, whether they know it or not. He is our hope that gets us through the pain we experience in life. He is the hope for those that you love and cherish. He's the hope for peace in our nation. He's the hope for peace across the world. He is the only thing that can fix everything that's broken. You see, he is our hope. So where is your hope today? If you were to pull back the curtain and we could truly see in your life Where is it that you place your hope? Or maybe we have some here today who've actually lost all hope. You don't know what to believe anymore. You don't know what to think about things anymore. You're not sure where you settle on the spiritual side of things. But Paul says in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and where we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for for we know that they help us 
develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You see, God has shown us in every way the hope that we can grab hold of, the hope that we can put into our own life, the hope that we can be confident in. He sustains us through the hardest moments in our life. He is the one factor that gets us through turmoil. And he's the one factor that consistently rejoices with us in the truth and the exciting times of life. Honestly, without God, there is no hope. Now is the time for hope. But now is also the time for grace. Someone used an acronym to kind of describe grace uh, several years ago. God's riches at Christ's expense. But what is grace really? It is undeserved favor. Now, if we were to be honest with one another, you and I both have done things in our life where we had gained undeserved favor from a relationship that we were a part of. We said something wrong. We did something wrong. We acted a certain way we shouldn't have. And in the moment, you knew that you were wrong. And the person on the other end of that said, you know what? It's no biggie. I love you. You're forgiven. Let's move forward in our relationship. You see, that is grace. Caught red-handed, but yet not held accountable. You, You can move forward in the relationship. And that's what God does for us. Now, the truth is, Jesus Christ has done something incredible for us. He covers our unworthiness. We are sinful in the eyes of God. There's nothing that we can do in our life that would make us perfect. Only Jesus Christ makes us that, and he covers our unworthiness. I mean, think about somebody in your own life, maybe that's hurt you or hurt a family member, someone close to you, and maybe in your own mind you think, that person does not deserve any attention from me. (laughs) They certainly don't deserve my love and affection. They really won't get my forgiveness. We've got people, if we were honest in our life, that we have said things like that about. But take a look at Jesus' life in the Gospels. I mean, he interacted with people during his ministry that society had kicked to the curb, that had actually sent outside the city gate. We don't want anything to do with them. It could have been prostitutes, maybe lepers, tax collectors who were actually, according to the New Testament, below sinners. Folks who could not speak or see or hear, and the local people blamed it on sin in their life or sin in their parents' life. Yet Jesus in his ministry over and over again, metaphorically and in reality, touched their lives. He made a decision to offer grace and mercy even in the moment. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in chapter 4 and verse 16. He says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And I don't know about you, but I need grace every single day. And I am so glad I've got a God that loves me and lavishes that love upon me through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, today, 
It's time to accept God's grace into your broken life. It's time to say yes to God's riches offered by Jesus Christ. And now is the time for connection as well. When we're talking about church and church family, we are connected today in more ways than we possibly could imagine. I mean, we've got the phone. You could actually pick it up and call someone. You could text someone. There's lots of social media out there to connect with other folks. Lots of different ways to make connection. Yet all the data tells us in the research that we are presently the loneliest we've ever been in the history of humankind. We are lonely, although we've got these different ways to connect. But we'll discover that that's not a new thing for us. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, there's a moment where God is with Adam and Eve in the garden. It's an incredible picture. There's even a point in the story where it says God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? To to walk with your creator and just talk about the day's events. They, They could do anything they wanted to in this garden, but then God says, there's a tree over here, and you can't go near it. Don't touch it. Don't eat of the fruit. Leave it alone. And Adam and Eve do exactly what me and you would have done. We go to that tree. And in that moment when they partake of the fruit, they know immediately Their relationship with God is broken. They cover themselves. They hide themselves. They felt loneliness in that moment. So is it technology that makes us lonely? No, it's it's sin in the world and sin in our lives that make us lonely. I mean, it's time for us as the church to stop living individualistic lives and to embrace one another. There are moments in a a group this size that maybe a personality and this other personality don't quite get along. Or maybe you like a certain football team and this one likes a different one over here. It's okay. We're all family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're called to embrace one another, to get along. I mean, look what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we belong to each other. Like it or not, you belong to me. Like it or not, I belong to you. We are family together, and we journey together because we need one another. We've got to stop living in isolation and realize that we are a community of believers who want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ We do that collectively and together because I need your love in my life. I need your affirmation in my life, your encouragement in my life. I need you to challenge me at times in my life when maybe I'm not making great decisions. And likewise, I am needed in your life. And the church is a place that offers an incredible and amazing opportunity to journey together. The church is so much more than these four walls. This is just a building where we meet. You are the church. And we're called to live together and lift Christ up together. It's also the time for compassion in our life. Compassion is an incredible opportunity to show Christ to those around us. The psalmist said in chapter 145 and verse 8, this text, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, 
slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And I'm so grateful. I serve a God who is able to look over my differences and my failings and lavish love on me anyway. God came down in form of mankind in the Gospels. And when you read through the Gospels, you'll find Jesus Christ is full of compassion to all of those whose society had kicked to the curb. Those that were unlovable, those that were untouchable, those that were told, you're not worth my time, energy, nor words. Jesus entered their life, and he gave hope to the hopeless. He gave love to the loveless, and he touched the untouchables in his own life. And so when you think about God's own compassion for you, how do we respond to God's compassion in our own life? Well, my hope is that we would, we would imitate God on every level in every way. That his compassion wouldn't stop with me, but it would flow through me and out to those around me. That we would desire to look like Jesus Christ in his ministry, how he lived life. And that was compassionate toward all those, no matter their race, age, gender, where they found themselves in life socioeconomically, but we would desire to look like him in all ways. Paul says to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, beginning of verse 12, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Why would he put that in there? Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Paul reminds us what it means to look like Jesus, that we're called to be compassionate, that we desire to journey with one another, and compassion brings us full circle. Compassion helps us show forgiveness to those who are interacting in our life in ways that maybe we would hope would be more favorable. It allows us to have mercy and grace extended not only to us, sometimes the hardest person in the world to forgive, yourself, and to those around you that are hurting. It solidifies the connection between believers, knowing that we're in this thing together, that we love God and we love people. Compassion allows us to share our hope with those who are hopeless, who are seeking something better and more purposeful in life. It allows us to extend grace, God's riches to those around us. It allows us to connect with one another as the body of Christ and to overlook each other's differences in that process. It offers compassion to the world we live in and to one another. As we don't always get everything right, but because you're my brother and my sister, because you're God's creation, I'm going to imitate Jesus Christ in that process. And that's what church is really all about. Church is so much more, again, than these four walls. It, it is about being together for a common cause, and that is the empty cross and the empty grave and a risen Savior. That is what Christianity truly is all about. And collectively, we come together once a week to celebrate God in our lives, to lift him up, 
to say, I want you to be a part of everything that, that I'm doing in my life and I want to love you as much as you love me. It's a moment where we together can tell the story of Jesus Christ the way that we have been gifted. And so today, whether you are someone who's never experienced Christianity, never experienced the love of God, maybe you're here today, maybe you're somebody who, who had one time found that love and then walked away but now you're on the journey back home, or maybe you're an integral part of this body of believers. Wherever you are today, understand that God loves you right where you're at, and he desires to have a tight relationship with you. He wants you to come back to him, and he's not standing there with arms folded and his foot tapping. No, he's standing there with his arms open wide, and he says, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so glad you've decided to come back to me. I'm so glad that you want a relationship with me. I'm glad you're home. And so what time is it for you in your life? I'm going to invite Brad and the praise team back to the stage this time. You may have seen when you walked in three different tables. Today, you're going to have the opportunity to answer that question for yourself. And I want to encourage you to be totally honest with yourself. It's not for me to see. It's not for your next door neighbor to see. Not for your spouse to see. It's for you. To answer that question, what time is it for you? Maybe for you, you've never put on Jesus Christ in baptism. Maybe today is indeed the day of salvation for you. Maybe you can begin that journey with Jesus Christ. Maybe for you, what time is it? It's, it's time to come back and be involved in the body of Christ. It's time to stop being a sideline participant, but use my gift set to tell that story of hope. What time is it for you? Maybe it's time to forgive someone and move forward in the relationship. Maybe it's time to say, you know what, you hurt me bad, but I'm going to act like Jesus Christ. I want to be compassionate. I want to be forgiving. I want to be full of grace. What time is it in your life? Only you know what that is. God knows we don't. And so I want you to be really honest this morning. When you go to these tables, there's a card there. Flip that over and answer that question. What time is it for you? What is it that you need to do to move forward in your relationship with God? And as you fill those out, you might want to symbolically come laid at the foot of the cross to say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm tired of being anxious about it. I'm tired of worrying about it. But it's time for me to let this thing go so that I can be more the person you've called me to be. Maybe you want to hang on to that and put it in your bathroom on the mirror, maybe in your car, maybe in your wallet or your purse, just as a reminder of who God's calling you to be. What time is it for you? God tells us the time is right now. Today is the day of your salvation. Let's stand together.